to Blizzard Watch, the podcast that watches Blizzard much like, you know, a, a friendly dog would watch over you while you slept, because that's us watching over you while you sleep. Uh, I'm Matt Rossi. I'm the host. And with me this week are two absolutely dedicated co-hosts who both, you know, went through scheduling hell to be here. First up, they shot her in the eye with a laser, and yet she's still here. Ann Stickney. How you doing, Ann? I look like somebody punched me in the face. That's how I'm doing. Well, it was science. It feels though. about that good, too. Yeah, but, um, but again, at least it was science that punched you in the eye. Science punched me in the eye. No, my eyes like really swollen right now and kind of like weeping on and off. So, did you get the uh, color? Th- did you get the weird color stuff, or did you not get that? The what? When I got my my eye lasers, um, they they did it so hard that like I my eyes turned like you know blood red. It looked like I popped all my capillaries. No, and, no, uh, and no. I had like I, had... I mean I could I could. I could go into detail about what they did to my eye, but suffice it to say, it was not what they did last time. And there was a sharp instrument involved, and I have considerably more sympathy for what you go through every, what, three weeks, four weeks, something like that? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, okay. So it's on that level, and my pain level is probably at about an eight right now, but, you know, I'm surviving, and I'm here. So let's just introduce Alex. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, up next, he eats things that burrow into his flesh. Alex Zebart. Uh, I I feel like the longer we do this show, the higher our body horror quotient increases. Yeah, well, that does seem to be what's happening. I mean, yeah. I think it's going to reach the point where people will be do, too disturbed to proceed <laughs> with what we do here. Uh, so far they seem to show up next week. I just turned myself inside out, but I'm here for you. <laughs> Like, um, who's that? Welcome to the wow. Oh, God. There I go. I went and said that word again. Who's that, uh, manga artist who does, like, the horrible body horror? Half of them? Well, there's one in particular that's. He was going to. As I recall, he was going to work with Kojima on, uh, Silent Hills. I, I, the guy who did Akira? I really don't know. I can't remember his name, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, let's not become him. Okay, well, so try what are you up to. to then when you're not eating Doritos that cause pain? Like, what's going on? What's up? Honestly, I have not played anything all week. I have been way too busy. Uh, <laughs> Blizzard Watch stuff, other gig stuff, releasing a book. When have I had time to play video games this week? There's been none. <laughs> and that has contributed to the scheduling hell of while we're recording this Wednesday at noon instead of tuesday afternoon yeah for, from my perspective and from ann's as well because we both live in the mountain it's not even noon yet so it this That's is true. very early for us podcast wise this is not usually when we do it but we're here because we're dedicated to you the listeners and I, I couldn't have sounded less sincere but i actually do mean it so just gonna have to move on uh guess we can talk about various top stories because that's usually what we do right about now um sure first up uh the overwatch Christmas skins were released. Uh, we still got to look at those. Um, they went with a lot a more Winter just... Wonderland patch. I, I did not expect them to have this many. Like, there's a lot of them. And I, I saw one complaint that I'm going to have to address because it bugged me. Uh, someone saw the, the Widowmaker emote that they put in, the, mm-hmm. the one with the mistletoe. Uh, the one where she basically takes the mistletoe, looks at it, then, like, hits you in the face and then kicks you while you're down, camera-wise. Like, she does it yeah. through the camera. Um, and they were like, why can't she just kiss the screen? And I'm sitting there going, do you understand who Widowmaker Widowmaker's is? not the type to just sort of kiss somebody. Like, she doesn't feel. Yeah, Widowmaker, <laughs> is, Widowmaker is a person who was brainwashed into murdering her own husband and now goes around killing people for the people who did that because it's the only time she gets to feel it. She's, 
she's the femme fatale character. She's there to lure you in and then kill the kill crap him. out of you. Yeah, she, so this emote is actually Widowmaker perfect. It is note perfect. This is exactly what she should do. She should not kiss you. She should hurt you. That is what yeah, she does. Um, I think I've seen different reactions to it than you have. Uh, I can even- yeah, most of them have been very, very positive about it. But the ones I've seen that are like, you know, why can't she do it? No, no, I'm sorry. Uh, the ones I've seen are a little too positive about it. I'll give you that one. I was going to say, I've seen positive leaning towards really enthusiastic. <laughs> no, th- those are fine in my opinion. But the one where people are complaining that it's not quote unquote sexy enough. It's like, guys, you don't understand the character. They're just not into the right things. But yeah, this the um the the tracer costume is adorable because she's like a little elf. Um, Maya's Santa. Am I correct on this? Is that what they're going with? Maya? May is uh. May is Mrs. Claus and Torbjorn is Santa. Well, yeah, of course. That's that's in my opinion, that's kind of that's a little too on the nose. The guy already looked like Santa. Yeah. Well, there was they released a piece of art of Torbjorn as Santa all the way back in 2014. So anybody who expected otherwise, sorry, it's kind of. It was, like, announced two years ago, basically. I'm just really glad that Winston got another skin, finally. Because he didn't get one for Halloween, and I don't think he got one for the Summer Games, either, if I recall correctly. I don't think so. So it's been, like, a while since we've gotten a new Winston skin, and, yeah, I'm really happy with this one. Um, The abominable snowman, yeti-type skin. It actually works really well on him. Um... That Zenyatta skin is creepy. Okay, yeah. Can we can we talk for a minute? Okay, we're just let let let's talk about this Overwatch one because I know we're gonna get to Heroes of the Storm in a minute here. <laughs> let's just talk about the Overwatch one. They made him a Nutcracker. Okay, yes. they made him a Nutcracker, which is fine and everything, but they also made him look like this soulless entity, and it kind of reminds me of all of the old Doctor Who episodes with the mannequins that used to freak me out, right? <laughs> So he's just, he's like, not quite on the side of holiday charm and slightly more on the side of, wow, that's a little creepy to yeah. me. Is that just me or? No, it's pretty creepy, but. since I want it anyway, storm, just because it is kind of disturbing. <laughs> it's not as bad as gingerbread Nazebo. Yeah, and we'll talk about that in a second, but. Yeah, it's still, it's a little bit, it's a little bit creepy. And I kind of want it now anyway, just because it is, I mean, can you imagine just be like camped out somewhere on a map and then behind you, there's just this nutcracker looming expressionless, just sitting there. (laughs) A little disturbing, yeah. (laughs) It's like nightmare fuel, but not quite. It's almost, it's almost to the point of nightmare fuel, but not quite. And then there's a new brawl, isn't there? Along with all of Uh... this. Yeah, I haven't played any of this because I've kind of fallen out of love with playing Overwatch. I haven't played it because um, I can't see right now. Well, I mean, I can kind of see, but not well enough to play a video game like that. Uh, It's a snowball fight. Yeah, from based on what my girlfriend was screaming from her computer while she was playing with her friends, uh, it's a snowball fight where everybody's May, and I guess you get one shot before you have to go collect another snowball. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, bu- I'm busy staring at the Zarya skin. Okay. So you go, go on. Okay, so the way it works is it's a 6v6, and everybody plays May, and your gun, instead of shooting, like, the normal ice, whatever, it shoots a, a snowball, a single snowball. And once you shoot that snowball, you have to run and find a snowbank to reload your gun to get so another it's... snowball. And then on top of that, though, when your ult goes off, when you use your ult, it 
becomes like a repeater snowball. So like you can shoot several in a row while mm-hmm. your ult is up and then you have to go find a snowbag. So it's it's kind of like you have to be really careful about how you're aiming because it's almost like sniper may, I guess, um, because there's a really long reload time there. And um, you also have to be really careful when you're going to go get your snowballs because if I remember correctly, it's like a single elimination. Like you get eliminated and you're out. I could be wrong on that though. So, amusingly, it seems a lot like the Nova Brawl from Heroes of the Storm last week. I was going to say, it reminds me of Lucio Ball, but... Um, it's a little bit like the Nova Brawl, yeah. Yeah, the Nova Brawl was one shot, one kill. Um, it was sniper duels. It's basically that, except Overwatch and Winter-themed. And I do want to play it, because it looks pretty fun. But, yeah, I haven't had an opportunity yet, and I probably won't for a little while. So there's that. Well, okay. Next up, I guess, would be talking about he- all the hero stuff. Yeah, we should talk about the hero stuff. Alex, do you want to talk about that? Well, okay. First up, let's just talk about okay, Nazebo because Nazebo. We got uh, Yeah, Nazebo. I think Nazebo and Lunara are the two characters to receive uh, Winter Veil skins this year. Yeah. Yeah, um, and you can also get the. Uh, actually, I want to point this out real fast because the old Winter Veil stuff is still available. Like they brought that back as well. So you can get the stuff from previous Wintervale, and you can get the new Wintervale package as well. That both are available in Heroes. Yeah. So um, Lunara is just generically Wintervale Triad. Um, I don't think it stands out too much. Red and green, kind of, blah blah blah. Right. Lunara, Other than her, you know, Lunara's general uh, insanity, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Gingerbread Nazebo, which is a Ginger Dread Nazebo. Yeah, Ginger Dread Nazebo, who okay. who looks like the Ginger Dead Man. If you've ever seen that movie or heard of it, uh, yeah, he lo- he looks like that. He is and he is horrifying. It's all themed abilities, I think. So when you use Zombie Wall, it's hideous gingerbread men and all that kind of thing. Um, he's I think like a creepy looking gingerbread man, and he's holding. Is it a snowman set? Is it a decapitated snowman set? Is that what he's holding? <laughs> I'm not sure. I didn't look at that part. Or is I it Santa's head? I can't. Remember. I it's a, it's a snowman. It's, it's a snowman's snowman. head. It's a snowman wearing a Santa's hat, but it is a snowman. And he's got some kind of icicle knife in his other hand. And, I wrote, I'm I wrote sure, the Winter Veil post, so yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there are people who are going to enjoy this skin. Uh, they're welcome to do so. This is probably the first year I'm not buying any of the Winter Veil skins. Um, they just don't grab me like other years did. The other years were like, Ginger Dread and Zebo, people, people are going to enjoy that. I'm not one of them, so I'm not saying their skins this year are bad. But none of them grabbed me as much as like Wintervale Jaina did or uh, Plum Sylvanas. Sugar Plum Sylvanas, yeah, Sugar Plum it's Sylvanas sort of, is hilarious because it's Sylvanas. It's sort of like, um, well, like I was saying, Zenyatta as the Nutcracker is not quite nightmare fuel. Nazebo, Gingerbread Nazebo, just kind of jumps over that line and goes, "Yeah, I'm going to haunt your dreams in like the worst way. It's creepy, <laughs> but like good creepy, I guess." If you like your holidays with horror in them, I guess. Like I pointed yeah. out in the pre-show, Christmas does have a strong ghost story tradition. But yeah, Ginger Dread Nazebo is straight up 80s, 90s horror film. Just <laughs> seriously. Like th- you could imagine Charles Band wrote this. It's, it's like that bad. I, I don't like it. But, but you know, um, beyond, beyond those skins, uh, Ragnaros, everybody expected Ragnaros to be implemented yesterday because it usually happens on Tuesday with the new hero rotation. He wasn't, but apparently he's in today. I don't know what the cause of that delay was, but he's there now. 
Maybe so yeah, because they were launching the Overwatch stuff and they didn't want to overlap. I don't know. Uh, if you if you want to take over people's keeps and you know be a gigantic column of flame, you can now do that. So go for it. Uh, Ragnaros. I mean, I'm, I don't play a lot of heroes, but Ragnaros strikes me as a really fun mechanic. I, I want to play around with that. I'll admit it. Yeah, we'll see how it turns out. I'm pretty excited to play it. Oh, we should probably also mention there is also a, a special snowflake mount if you want to get that for the new Wintervale package. There's a mount as well as the two skins. And uh, you also, if you don't have Lunara or Nazebo for whatever reason, you get them when you buy the, the, the packet. So the Wintervale 2016 bundle has the, the new mount. Uh, it has Lunara and Nazebo, and then it has the new skins as well. How much is that bundle? It's the same price as all of them, I don't, but I don't know off the top of my head. I have to actually... <laughs> well, yeah, which is the translation for, oh. Yes, that is the case. Yeah, I don't know either. Okay, well... I don't, I don't, I don't buy bundles, because I rarely... We're well-informed on this news podcast. <laughs> bundles uh, are like... Here. I knew what it was, but, you know, I wrote the article, and then I forgot it. <laughs> Sorry. Bundles always seems like, here's these two things you want, and six things you don't. And I'm like, well, I'll just buy those two things I want. Thanks, though. Blizz. Anyway, what's what else do we have? What else? What else is news, Rossi? Well, I mean, this patch 7.1.5 PTR is now testing various Nighthold raid bosses. That's new. Um, so it feels like it's getting ready to go live at this point. Like we'll probably see it in January because at this point they're just testing raid bosses. That seems to be pretty pretty straightforward yeah, for how this patch is going to work. So close to things like Christmas and New Year's that. I can't see any world in which this patch goes live before January. That just wouldn't make sense to me. It would be a little weird. Especially, I mean, even if it did, I don't think we would see any raids on live realms until after January. Because the devs need to be there to fix what's broken and so on and so forth. And they're not going to be over Christmas and New Year's. They're gone. Well, they're gone. And then players are also off doing holiday things, too, generally speaking. So, yeah, it's better if they just you know, wait until January. I, I I expect them to wait until January. Have we seen any other class changes or tweaks or anything like that? Or is it just the Nighthold bosses that they're testing now? There's been a few. A lot. There's been, they did a lot in the previous couple of weeks. I don't think they've done anything new in the past week, but yeah, they've, they've, it's been a pretty, for a patch that they're, they're marketing as a half patch Um, they're, they're talking about it as a micro, a kind of a smaller patch. It's got a lot of changes and tweaks in it. And it's got a lot of, um, you know, between the Nighthold bosses and other things, it's got a decent amount of content, all things considered. I believe they also just finished testing all the micro holidays on the PTR. They did. They were, yeah, yeah, they did. So it's it's a, it's not a tiny patch. It seems like there's quite a bit in it. I can't remember for sure, but I think Brawler's Guild is also coming with this patch. Yes. Yeah, yeah. it's so coming back. You're looking at Brawler's Guild coming in. You're looking at the various class changes. You're looking at um, the, the raid bosses. You know, So Nighthold is... If Nighthold isn't in immediately on launch, it's going to unlock during 7.15. So there's there's actually a pretty sizable Legion is actually on on track to be one of the, you know, more on the, along the lines of the Mists of Pandaria style than the Warlords style, which is you know a relief if you like content. As long as we don't get the Mists of Pandaria one year between the end of expansion and the launch of another, that would be great. Yeah, that's, <laughs> the, that's gonna be the real proving grounds. We can't really call it the Mist of Pandaria thing, though, because they've done that so many times. Every expansion. This is true. Every expansion. But yeah, I guess that's basically it for news this week. Um, so that moves us on to emails. And as is always the case, uh, if you have an email for us, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Um, as you know, the, the rule of thumb on keeping them short, you guys have been trying really hard. We appreciate that. 
it is helpful to us if you can keep them short enough that they can be read quickly on the, the uh, air and used properly without us having to like you know edit them down. Uh, and you've you've really made an effort on that, so thank you very much for that. Uh, this week, because again, Anne got shot in the face with lasers, and because you know I am permanently you know dwelling in darkness, Alex is going to try and read the emails for us. So please, yeah, keyword try. Soon. We're going to find out whether I'm capable of reading or not today. Uh, it's entirely <laughs> possible I'm not. We're going to find out. Uh, our first email is from Dunk from Bleeding Hollow US. Uh, he says, hi, team. Question. Do you think it makes sense to change neutral city slash town rules to have guards only aggro on offensive spells? A frustrating experience I'm having leveling alts on a PvP server is that many max levels on the opposing faction lack the impulse control to not kill me when we cross paths. They start swinging, which aggroes the guards on them, but that's small potatoes for them. I want to make an escape, but that's near impossible without casting some defensive spells. But in doing so, I draw the ire of the guards, too. So if I manage to get some distance, the guards finish me off. What do you guys think? Honestly, um, whether or not it makes sense doesn't necessarily mean that it will happen. I, I think Blizzard will probably leave I mean, certain spells. Like, Hamstring does damage. It doesn't do a lot of damage, uh, but it does do a little. Uh, it's an actual attack. People used to use Hamstring to, to trigger um, Wind Fury way back in the day. Yeah. They would actually spam Hamstring over and over again until Wind Fury proc'd. So they'd get like extra damage because because it's you know it was no rage to speak of to use it. Um, so s- the line on defensive spells like chain chain of ice again that's that's a chain of ice and slow. You can use them defensively, but you can also use them offensively. Like if I chains of ice you, now you can't get away, and all my fr- you know all my friends can kill you. That's a situation where a spell you're using it defensively doesn't mean it is a defensive spell. Uh, and it's different than say shield wall. Shield wall, you cast that, you're trying not to die, and there's no other use for it. I can't cast shield wall to make somebody else die. Um, whereas I could absolutely use chains of ice or slower hamstring to kill somebody. That That's an old warrior trick in PvP is to run up on a clothy, hamstring him while he's trying to get away, and just beat on him. So I don't yeah. I don't see the change happening. There's There's too much PvP use in that kind of thing. I mean, the fact that you picked slows here... Slows aren't defensive, even if you're using them defensively. That's that's a spell you can use either way. So I, I doubt, seriously. Now, you'd think a heal... Like, does a heal get them to start attacking you? Or does it only stuff that you use to attack other people? Because all I those think, spells are cast on somebody. I think if you're healing or shielding yourself, I don't think that gets the guards on you. It's damage or effects applied to another player, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I, I don't see that changing. I mean... I don't know what Anne thinks about it, but for me, I don't see that changing. Do you think they could stand to beef up the guards, maybe? So that they aren't quite as, oh, hey, we're just going to shrug off the guards and concentrate on killing this player, no matter well, what? Well, I mean, the, the problem is the guards are killing both players, because both players are involved. Hey, and I think the guards... guards are... It's I think, from what I've seen of people... I don't play on a PvP server, but I play on a server where people find really dumb tricks. Like, I saw some a protection warrior slaughtering thunder totem guards by the dozen i don't know how or why but they were um well i mean dunk was saying in his email here that that it'll pull the guards on them but that's apparently small potatoes for them so uh, i'm wondering do they just need to beef up the thunder thunder totem god or guards gods the thunder totem gods no um do they need to beef up the guards and make them more powerful then at that point i think blizzard might as well turn you might as well not be on a PvP server. And I, I think the answer is if you don't enjoy this kind of stuff, don't play on a PvP server. 
Um, yeah, to, to a degree, I, I'd have to agree. I did play on a PvP server for a while, and it was not fun to level back then. This was Mists of Pandaria. I was leveling with Prot on a, on a PvP server, and it was painful. It was really not fun. I, mean, I did. Uh, I leveled on a PvP server back in Vanilla, and I played a rogue, and my friend played a warrior, and it's a different kind of fun, I guess. If you're not if you're not into that kind of fun, then no, it's not going to be much fun for you. But we found it kind of entertaining, especially like Stranglethorn Vale, where you didn't know what you were going to run into while you were leveling. It just, I don't know. We had fun with it. But yeah. if that's not your cup of tea, if you're not into the idea of players being able to attack you whenever, maybe you should be looking at a PvE server. I don't know. Right. Like for as long as I've been doing this job or as long as I've been playing WoW, you know, I see people like, oh, this this thing on the PvP server really bothers me. And ultimately what bothers them is PvP. They don't the, what bothers them is the rule set. If you, you can get ganked anywhere in a PvP server, you can get attacked anywhere. Uh, you might be you, able to make the case quite frankly that that you know guards shouldn't aggro people for PvPing on a PvP server. Uh, although I get the whole neutral town thing, but you know, this is something that happens. Yeah, and I mean the guards are what they are because they're there to discourage that kind of combat in a town, but if somebody really wants to they can take that risk, and clearly the people attacking you are willing to take that risk, and that's the risk you take by playing on a PvP server. But I'm willing to—I think I'm willing to agree with Anne that maybe they should make the guards hit harder, um, because I, I do think that the guy starting it should get killed. Absolutely, I think that. I mean, if that's the point of you having guards in the first place, if you have guards in a neutral location that that are there to discourage PvP, they should have teeth. Like they should. Uh, what I was trying to say, but kind of went really roundabout, is. It's the same problem with town guards as it is with, like, dungeon and raid bosses. And that the damage they do is completely trivial to somebody in plate. A protection spec warrior is going to be able to tank every single guard in Thunder Totem. But a mage is going to die really, really fast within a couple of hits. Um, it's, I think it's... I mean, how much damage do they have to do? Should they one-shot tanks? Well, see, here's bosses? the thing. I mean, actually tanking a dungeon boss they don't hit me for much less than they do you. And I know this because I've taken my plate-wearing Death Knight into dungeons with your Warlock and Cloth, and your Warlock and Cloth can actually stand up to a heck of a lot more of a beating than my plate-wearing tank can. A warlock, so, a, a warlock with my talents is a special case. Um, I specifically have an enormous yeah, but absorption watch it, shield. Watch it not kill Mitch either, who's playing a mage. So Because um, I've, I've also been, like, when a dungeon boss looks at my Warlock, I die in one hit. A boss will obliterate me if you die. I also die in the next swing. Doesn't seem to happen when we've actually done the dungeons, but I'll take your word for it. But I, I don't. I don't know. I like I said. I think I feel like I'm okay with them possibly doing that. But you know, I, I I'm not really that worked up on the on, on the idea of people getting killed in PvP on PvP servers. I I'm, I feel like it's kind of what they do. Yeah. Um. Honestly, the answer is that you know, X thing frustrates me in PvP. Uh. It's because you're on a PvP server. It PvP servers are frustrating. Your complaint is there's PvP on a PvP server. If you don't like it, don't be there. That's why I don't play on PvP servers. I don't want to deal with this stuff. They're fundamental parts of playing on a PvP server. Um, anyway, next email is from Wonderbolt. Says, Jesus Blizzard Watch, each expansion so far has us dealing with a villain who gets either killed, captured, or the otherwise ended by the time the expansion wraps up. The story starts and ends with a few minor dangling plot threads that may or may not be followed up on. This is in contrast to Vanilla WoW, where there's no real overarching narrative, 
just a bunch of smaller stories about killing a powerful dude slash Judette and his or her minions. Do you prefer the tighter story of the expansions or the more meandering narrative of Vanilla? Thanks for the podcast website. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Wonderbolt. What do you guys think? I think there's merits behind both. I think I, I prefer the tighter story. I, I like when an expansion actually has like a beginning, middle, and end. Like There's a story to it. But I do feel like they tend to wrap up those stories a little bit too pat, particularly with like the big bosses and things like that. I mean, I know you want like that moment of triumph or whatever, but if you have that, you can only have that moment of triumph so many times in a row before it starts getting a little stale. And I feel like it's getting a little stale and that's just me personally, but I don't know. Rossi, what do you think? Well, I don't disagree with you. um, But at the same time, I kind of understand the merit of having the more like I, 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 we both played vanilla. I know Alex did too. So we both, we all know <laughs> how it felt to go from raid tier to raid tier and have it all be completely different and not really related. Like you went to molten core, then you'd go off to Ani's lair and it was sort of like, there's, there's reasons you did that. And then Ani's lair led you to, to, you know, Blackwing lair. And that was somewhat connected. And Blackwing lair was in the same place as molten core. So there was a connection there too, but it wasn't like, you know, it, they were different people, different sides. And then from there you went over to AQ and that was completely different. And maybe you did ZG on your, your off night or whatever. And that was completely different. And I, I kind of liked it just because it was always something new and it didn't have to relate to an overarching story. Um, I've, I've really liked some of the expansion stories. Um, but at the same time, some of the, my favorite stuff in an expansion has always been the side thing. Like uh, in Burning Crusade, I think some of my favorite stuff was like Zulaman. Yeah. That, yeah. And that had nothing to do with anything. Like, why are we in Solomon? Oh, yeah. Uh, Vol'jin, you know, not, not Vol'jin. Zul'jin's doing some bad stuff. He picked now? Yeah, apparently he thought saw we were all distracted and thought now's the time. So, yeah, okay. And I like that. I like. I, I would like it if expansions did that more. Um, I think Ulduar is one of my favorite, like, raids in terms of its story role. Because it's, it is it is related to what's going on, but very, very much tangentially. It's like a reminder, oh, yeah, and this is happening, too. And I like that about it. Um, when we did Cataclysm, Cataclysm didn't have anything that felt like a, like a solid side raid. Like it was all part of the story. Even like when it was completely different places, it was all part of the evil plan of Deathwing. Um, and I felt like, you know, Firelands could have just been its own thing. Like it could have just been, oh, and Ragnaros is up to tricks too. But they made it, you know, oh, it was Deathwing who summoned Ragnaros. And I was like, oh, okay, well, whatever. I don't right. know. I, I feel like, there's merits to both, and I totally agree with you on a lot of your points, but at the same time, I would kind of like an expansion where we meandered a bit more, just because yeah. uh, really Warlords is the one that soured me on it, because Warlords, I did not like how those raids progressed. Right, I think I've, you know, I've mentioned before in the show, I'm a big fan of side stories and, and those, you know, what's going on while this larger crisis is going on, but uh, whatever they do, I just want them to do it well. Uh, for example, like, High Mall was kind of a side story, kind of, in that it wasn't dealing with the Iron Horde too much. It was dealing with the Ogres and what was going on with the Ogres. But I didn't feel like they gave us a good reason to be there. We just kind of did. We went there. And that didn't we feel satisfying We went there because they were allies of the Iron Horde and we needed to take them out. But that wasn't, I mean, it didn't feel like it had enough weight to it. It wasn't compelling in any way. And it wasn't just the aesthetics of Warlords didn't get me either, so maybe that played a role in why I was like, oh, hi, I'm all great. It's like brown with brown and brown. 
Um, I didn't dig it, but I typically do like the side stories. You know, I want to know what's going on while this larger threat is happening. And I like every time we step into a raid, it's it's completely different. Um, even Burning Crusade, I've mentioned I like Burning Crusade a lot because, yeah, like they were all thematically connected. But at the same time, you go into Serpent, Serpent Shrine, it's very blue with the Naga. And you go to Tempest Keep and it's like red with the Blood Elves. And you go to uh, Black Temple and then finally you get like the demons, the demon aesthetic in a raid. Um, they were connected, but they were all aesthetically very different. And I think that helps keep things fresh. Well, plus, you also had, you know, you had Hygel at the same time you were doing Black Temple. So if Black Temple wasn't doing it for you that night, you could switch over. Right. And they were both, you know, that's another thing that I feel like, you know, having a more diverse story in a ra- in an expansion could do is give you, like, the choices between raids that we really haven't had in a while. Um, yeah. It feels like we're kind of getting that with 715 because, you know, we'll have Emerald Nightmare and then Nighthold. Emerald Nightmare is definitely a side, it's a side trip. It's not it's not the main Legion story. It's this. Oh, and by the way, Xavius is doing evil stuff, too. Uh, right. and, and Xavius himself is obviously connected to the Legion, but he's not. It doesn't feel like he's it's sort of like High Mom part two. But I feel like it was better defined Well, because they put Xavius at the end of it. Right. But I you feel know, like like I said, I feel like it was it was better defined. Like there was a better lead up to it. And yeah, the uh, Valshara zone as a whole was kind of like framed around it more clearly than the Grand was ever framed around the High Mom ogres. Yeah, I, I mean, guess it's I, I less think... about whether it's a main story or a side story, and it's more just variety. If your central story can deliver on variety, that's good. That's that's perfect. Yeah, and I definitely think, you know, not to drag too much on Highmall, but one of the things that's always bothered me about Highmall was that they took the, the Iron Horde, the warlord of the Iron Horde, the guy who's in that, that place, and they put him in the first fight. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? What? We're, we're, why don't we leave? Let's now? just take him out now. <laughs> why, why are we still here? I mean, now we've 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 destroyed the Iron Horde presence. The ogres might be up to an alliance. Nope. Why not? We got no reason. We got nothing. We're just gonna keep going. It's just yeah. So I I do I do think Anne's right though. I do like it when an expansion story feels like it's tight and focused. But I feel like you can do that and still kind of have those like varieties and places to go that aren't like you know so tied in. And I'd like to see more of that. Yeah, that variety point is kind of why I'm surprised a lot of demons are missing from the Burning Legion in this expansion. Have you guys noticed this? What do you mean uh, missing? Well, there's uh, only a, one beholder I can think of. There are oh, like demon varieties, yeah. Varieties. There yeah. are very few dread guards. They made the uh, Gan big like Ganarg or Moarg dudes just brutes, and there's no like engineers among them anymore which, like, brought engineering to the Burning Legion. Uh, there's no Shivara. There's no Basically Succubi. that big variety, no... <laughs> that big variety that we got in Burning Crusade. Yeah. We don't have it in, well, like, well, in Legion for some reason. Burning, Burning Crusade kind of presented the Burning Legion as this, like, big potpourri of demony goodness where there's all kinds of different demons filling different roles. And Legion, they just kind of, like, boiled it down to a few, and they aren't even the aesthetically interesting ones. They're just brutish and ugly. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree that there could be more variety. Like, they did add, they also added a couple of them. I mean, there's that weird spider. Yeah, but they're demons. really boring. Yeah, I don't find a, the spidery demon f- boring. I'm sorry. A, in like a floating the woman has spider or legs. The woman's got spider legs coming out of her back. I'm, that that creeps me out, and I'm okay with saying it. Uh, yeah, but it's like Budget Kerrigan. They added Budget Kerrigan. Yeah. 
I, I, the, and, and a man in a ripped up robe, they added. Anyway, next email from Alessander. Uh, I didn't know this, so assume you didn't either. But the quest line will let you summon Nightbane and old Karazhan is removed in 7.1. The quest givers are now in the village fighting demons. The Nightbane quest line was, in, was an interesting story, and it's a shame it's no longer possible to see the story play out outside of YouTube. Not even a fountain. I hate to see amazing lore content like this, like Battle for Undercity, be removed for no real reason, and in this case, turn Nightbane into no, just another loop pinata. Why does Blizzard do this? Well, um, God, why does Blizzard do this? Nightbane, I actually, I think, if you're talking about the storyline to get the urn so that you could summon Nightbane, I think that was taken out, like, way earlier than 7.1. Yeah, it's been gone for a while. Yeah, because um, there was that whole, well, it was it was after the attunement thing, but that was the one where you got to go see Medivh, like, on the balcony, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, they took that out. I want to say they took that out in Wrath, maybe? Might have been End of Burning Crusade? I'm not sure. It was, um, it's it was been gone not, for a long time. It wasn't during Burning Crusade that they took that out, because I I remember completing it, like, you know, near the end of that expansion for I, a friend. It must so. have been Wrath. Maybe it was with the Cataclysm expansion. Um, might have been, might have been. When they I, were I, revamping I, other stuff. It but, has been gone for a while, though. Yeah, it has been gone for quite a while. Um, I liked that storyline a lot, just because it, you know, you got to see more Medivh with it, which I thought was great, because I dig Medivh, and I think he's cool. Um, but... Yeah, I, on the one hand, I see why they take things like this out, particularly like, I mean, you mentioned Battle for the Undercity. Battle for the Undercity, the onset of that involves the War Chief Thrall and, you know, Sylvanas being, threatening to be overthrown there in, and, and there's like that whole Undercity thing going on. All of that stuff got changed. Yeah, King well, Varian also... Rin would look really weird showing up at this point, guys. Yeah, and, and so would Thrall at this point. And but, I mean... well, for Battle for Undersea in particular, didn't they also? I mean, Cataclysm came after Wrath. Mm-hmm. Cataclysm yeah. changed like the fundamental terrain of everything. Orgrimmar keep... does not look like Orgrimmar anymore. Undercity changed. Well, I mean, there. it looks Undercity like Orgrimmar, changed. but it doesn't look like old school Orgrimmar. So, yeah. To keep Battle for Undercity in. They would have had to remake Battle for Undercity, and they just didn't because it's from an older expansion. Sometimes when things break or you know a change to unintended side effects, rather than going to past expansions and rebuilding something, they're just like, well, not very many people are going to be doing this anymore. Let's just move on to better things or different things. I mean, I'm not going to say I didn't like Battle for Undercity. It was actually one of the best times I'd had in a, in a WoW expansion for quite a while. Um, I liked it. I definitely feel like it was a proto scenario, like the kind of stuff we get in scenarios nowadays. Battle for Undercity was perfect for that kind of thing. I would, I wouldn't mind seeing it come back in some form, but I definitely think that you know between the character changes, the terrain changes. I don't think Undercity itself has changed all that much, but it hasn't. But you'd have to basically like rebuild an instanced version of old Orgrimmar. And rebuild an instance version of. Did you have to go to Stormwind? I think you had yes, to go to you Stormwind. You yeah. Brought, so rebuild, the, yeah. rebuild an instance version of old Stormwind. And I don't know if they have these files readily available anymore. Well, and I mean, in comparison to current graphics and what the game looks like now, it would look really strange. You you could get around that by simply starting it outside Undercity because it's a scenario now and you just go in and boom, but they took scenarios kind of out in that way, the way scenarios were in mists, they, they don't use them that way anymore. So I think at this point, it's just content that we're going to have to accept is no longer there. Uh, as for the night being quest line, it was interesting. Um, one of the things that was really fantastic about it was actually getting to see 
um, Nightbane's blue dragon form. I forget the name. Arcanagos, I want to say, but I don't remember. And what what happened, how he ended up Nightbane. I think to a degree you get some of that in the five-man now, but I'm not 100% on this. I, I haven't actually haven't even done the five-man yet. I'll be honest. I have just haven't gotten around to it. We'll get to it on the leveling stream eventually. We're working on it. But yeah, it's it's one of those things where do I wish it was still there? Yes, but I understand the reasoning for removing it. And in the interests of continuously giving us new content and reflecting story changes in the game world, I think it's probably best that they did take it out. So that's that. All right. Did we have anything else for this question? Not me. Okay. Uh, I don't know how much we're going to have to say about the next question, uh, but we'll see. From uh, Zhujang at Dathramar says, assuming brewmasters are balanced, which I assume is a big assumption, I guess. I don't know. Assuming brewmasters are balanced, is a PSA from Blizzard sufficient slash effective at getting the community to change their attitude? I assume because you picked this email, Rossi, you know something about this. Well, I'm he, oblivious to brewmasters. He asked us this last week. He asked us okay. if, you know, I wasn't here brew, last week. brewmasters get a PSA, then that was it for 715 so far. And uh, we talked about how, you know, feedback works and so forth. I just wanted to I wanted to put this in here because we talked about it last week and we did said, you know, hey, you know, if you feel like talking about it more, get back to us. So he did. So um, basically, I also want to talk about it because in a general sense, no, PSAs from Blizzard are never actually effective at getting people to change their minds about things in this way. Um, this goes back all the way to like early Burning Crusade. When people wouldn't, people straight up would not take a warrior tank to a five-man dungeon. They just yeah. wouldn't do it. They straight up wouldn't. It didn't matter that the warrior could tank it fine as long as there was a little bit more CC and people cooperated a little bit, because they didn't want to do the CC and cooperate. They wanted the easy tank. They wanted a paladin or a druid. And even when Blizzard made changes, they changed warriors so that thunderclap hit more than one tar more than four targets. They changed stuff around so you could thunderclap in D stance. You couldn't thunderclap in D stance for a long time. You had to switch stances. Um, they changed that, and people still didn't listen. And nothing changed until midway through raiding. It was when there were certain raid fights that only warriors could tank effectively due to the way the mechanics worked that people started realizing, oh, we got to start. We need warrior tanks. And it was really, of all the of all the raids, it was Hygel that hammered this home to people. Uh, it was actually Zulaman too. Zulaman and Hygel. People started realizing, oh, we we actually need warriors. Warriors are actually really good for this yeah. sort of thing. Whoops. And so, will will a PSA from Blizzard convince the community of anything? No, it will not. It will all it can do is get people to start talking about it. They can't ever just convince you know people are not going to like be like oh hey let's bring a brewmaster just because blizzard says no they're fine because the other narrative is there and it will need to be they'll, people will need to see it counteracted they'll need to see this happen and they won't see it happening if they're not bringing them along this is always a problem this is really a problem this is a problem that lfd solved you know lf for all the people talking about dungeon finder and how it like had a lot of negative influence on the game and it did there's lots of problems from it but one of the things it fixed was people deciding oh this class can't compete and didn't bring them cuz you didn't get to pick you didn't get to pick what tank you had the tank you got was one that was assigned to you if you didn't think they could handle it it didn't matter that you could you could vote to kick them but then you were going to be st stuck there waiting for a while and you know the next tank might be the same class so with the advent of mythics, with the advent of, you know, group content put together by the players, this attitude came back. 
and it's going to keep doing that. There's always going to be a class people think isn't as good, and they're always going to try and select away from it. It doesn't matter if the difference is infinitesimally small. Players are going to be players. They're going to look for the easiest ride possible. They're going to look for the class they think has the best AoE. They're going to look for the class they think takes the least damage. And if the way Brewmasters play is something they don't understand or they, they don't believe is as good, they'll do the same stuff over and over again. And do you think just... maybe part of this is just that Brewmasters haven't been around as long? Yeah, that's always part of it. That's part of it with any new class is always going to have – either it's going to have the new car smell and everyone's going to be like, ooh, Demon Hunters – it's the new it's the new hotness or they're going to be like oh brewmasters yeah they nerf those those are not good not as good anymore that's just going to always be the way of it we have like at this point we've got i want to say five tanks um we might be up to six for all i can think uh warrior death knight paladin druid monk demon hunter we're up to six tanks um people it's it's actually hard to keep track of which one is the flavor of the week you know people people will like they looked for ways to make this assumption faster and easier so prejudices are going to endure and all you can do is just get out there do your best and like hope people change their minds i'm gonna be honest i don't even know what brewmasters do anymore and i have a monk like um when the legion pre-patch went live like i was like i was on my monk i was like these demon bosses in this invasion event are big jerks i'm gonna tank them i went brewmaster on that alt and I had no idea what any of those buttons were, and it all seemed very complicated and convoluted compared to every other tank. So I immediately spec'd out of Brewmaster. Whatever Brewmasters do fundamentally makes no sense. Drink something to undo damage, but it's not healing, and... Nah, man. Too complicated. Just give me a shield. Let me block stuff. Yeah, which whereas, stuff honestly, sword. to my mind, shield, shield tanks are the most boring things imaginable nowadays. I don't even like playing Prada on my Warrior anymore. I can still do it, but Blood Blood Decay is the most fun for me. It's just so much more intuitive and easy to use. Even Demon Hunter, like the Demon Hunter tank, all that makes sense. None of that's complicated. Like, yeah, you go, you do it. Brewmaster, I'm like, all right, I don't even know what's happening. Part I don't of that, know what I should be doing or what part, my Brewmaster tanks are doing. Part of that is you being unfamiliar with it, but yeah, I understand what you're saying. But honestly, mechanically speaking, the Brewmaster is as strong as any other tank. It's just, it is definitely a play style that requires you to focus more on it. All right. Uh, this next email does not appear to have a name on it. If it does, and I missed it. I'm sorry. Good morning, podcast overlords. This week, I have been listening to the Dawn of the Aspects audiobook. While listening to the experiences and the story between the Aspects and when they were pro- Sorry, let me back up. While listening to the experiences in the story between the Aspects when they were proto-dragons, you can get a real sense of primal need for survival. Fast-forwarding all of those thousands of years, and we physically have two Aspects left. They often distance Nosdormu and Alexstrasza. Just speculating, but how deep do you think their grief goes at this point? Where will her reaction to Sarah's death be displayed, in your opinion? To me, this seems like such a huge plot point for Alexstrasza that it has to be shown in-game or in a story. It's a really deep connection that no other beings in Azeroth have had, excluding the Titans and Keepers. So, is Alex Raza sad? Is the question nice? There, this was kind of addressed a little bit in Thrall Twilight of the Aspects, because um, there was that whole moment in Cataclysm where Cal, not Caligos, Calistras, Coriolstras, uh, uh, yeah, um, Crassus, whatever. Anyway, he sacrificed himself. And also destroyed, like, the lower half of Wormrest Temple where the red eggs were at, um, specifically because there was there was stuff going on. It's like a plot point in the book, and Alex Straza kind of, like, removes herself because she is experiencing 
so much grief. And then by the end of the book, it's kind of resolved. But I mean, yeah. Is she going to be sad? Um, yes, because Ysera was essentially like her sister. No, she actually was her sister. And they were they were broodmates. Yeah, but what I'm saying here though is, you know, they they were it was they were like a family. The aspects were like a family of sorts. And not all of them were from the same clutch or anything like that. But they were like a family back then and when they united and they became aspects, they were very close. And you get a sense of them growing closer even though they weren't necessarily at the beginning of dawn of the aspects by the end of it they worked together as a team including Neltharion at that point um so yeah alex Ross is probably affected but her story right now is not really relevant to legion so i don't think that we're going to see a reflection of it in game just because it has no bearing on in-game events right now so Usually when they're choosing what to highlight in an expansion, they pick the things that are the most re- relevant to what's going on. Um, I'll, I'll be up front. I'll, be, I'll say the mean thing. We don't have time to watch Sad Dragon cry in snow. We've got so much else going on. Yeah, like, pretty much. Yeah, you're sad. That's great. Um, the world is on fire. Uh, Everybody is losing somebody, and we kind of have to deal with that. If you feel like breathing fire on some dragons... I mean, it's demons. Go for it. You know, but if you're going to go cry, that's not really our thing right now. If she sh- shows up at some point wanting vengeance and wanting to strike back against the Legion or whatever, cool. That'd be great. Having dragons fighting on our side, that would be fantastic. But it's not really necessary right now. Yeah, I in guess. terms of what in terms of whether or not she'll get a story, who knows? Uh, maybe they haven't really done that many. They did like the the audio drama at the beginning, and they've done like the Harbinger shorts. Haven't done any short stories yet that I can think of for for Legion, and that's fine. We got plenty of story going in the expansion itself. I just you know I don't really feel like yes, Alex Straza would probably be sad that that Yasera is dead. Probably more than sad, really, because. At this point, dragons are getting majorly thinned out. It, it, it is kind of like a dragon apocalypse so far. So, yeah, I would definitely think she's probably got some grief going on. But, but you know, as Ian pointed out, her the past since since the third the, the second war, Alex Strauss has been basically on a grief rampage. Yeah, like, pretty much. Her, her life. I mean, they killed her first consort. They forced her to, like, you know, breed dragons for, for war. She had to watch her eggs get crushed in front of her. Uh, then, like, you know, Deathwing showed up, and, you know, the, they, they've killed... At this point, she doesn't, like, really have any eggs left. All of her offspring are, like, dead. Um, the, the red dragon fleet's greatly diminished. Her son died in, in Grim Batal. Well, not Grim Batal, but Bastion of Twilight. So, yeah. yeah. Before the events of Legion, uh, how Blizzard has been treating dragons verges on sadistic um it's not i don't even know if it's like oh they're writing sad stories of dragons so they're writing kind of messed up stories for the dragon characters man it's just not right they've had a rough time and i think that cataclysm was really that was the expansion that really focused on the aspects and everything since then hasn't really been directly involving them ysera came into all of this because she's so involved heavily involved with the emerald dream and the emerald nightmare but the other aspects, not so much. So I don't know if we're going to see them reflected in the future. I'd like to see Nozdarmu make a return because obviously there was that whole hint that we aren't quite done with the infinite dragon flight um, in War Crimes. So obviously, you know, the bronze are still active somewhere. 
maybe we should figure out what's going on with that at some point, but it's not really relevant to the story at hand. I'm just down with yeah. it because Martin Sheen would be back. And yeah, that too. <laughs> I, I want to uh, warn Blizzard to be cautious about how many dragons they kill because we are on the road to, to complete dragon annihilation, and that's a terrible thing. Because how are you going to have World of Warcraft where you don't have dragon fights because they're all dead? You, you need the internet dragons. You, you, you need just need to them. You preserve the species so we can kill them for loot. Yeah. So just What is World careful. of Warcraft going to be if we don't have to watch out for Tailswipe? Well, actually, but, um, we just introduced an entirely new kind of dragon, though. This is true. Those, those guys seem to be doing fine. I feel like the rest of the dragons should show up and be like, how come you guys are okay? They're what really ugly, Is it the though. jaw? Is it the jaw? Is that what's preserving you? Is that what's going on here? No, as you could see from the life of one human named Varian Rin, chins will not save you. I mean, there's that one dragon who... Too soon. ...is like the representative for the dragons where you save him like a quirky number of times. So maybe they're not doing that well. Or maybe that one's just dumb. Oh, did you seriously i was he just say, used you just seriously just use quirky as like a verb or an adjective yes. an adjective like a unit of measurement no less a quirky number of times he's like you meet this like you come down this guy's like i'm so mad and then you beat him up and you're you like, pulled a quirky was... with this dragon you're like what was that guy's deal pulling a quirky means that you're just saving them repeatedly you go do some more quests and he's like captured persistently cage. getting into trouble and you're like all right you tried to kill me but sure you're free now and then do some more quests and he's in a cage again you're like come on Varanir, whatever your name is just maybe just fly forever where they can't reach you stay on your you mountain. can go in the sky why don't you just stay in the sky it's safe it's, there <laughs> there's, there's butterflies up there twice as high as i can get anyway uh our last email i think we have time for it maybe well, the relevant question is like I'll that skip last. Straight to the question. Yeah, there's just go a to bunch that of shenanigans last... first. Just go to that uh, last little bit. Email from. I was almost positive this person's name was Bjerk. It's B J E R K. But they they're very clear. It's not Bjerk. It's B Jerk. That's not how you would spell B Jerk, my friend. I prefer Bjerk as a Bjork reference. So that's what we're going to call you now, B Jerk. Sorry, you're you're, you're, you're Bjerk now. You're Bjerk. Uh, say, why do demon hunters still have Naga working for them? It seems a bit odd that they would side with us when it's kind of obvious we're not on Ashara's side. Will we be getting betrayed at some point? Basically, um, the Naga that are with you, the, the Naga that are with the demon hunters, were trapped on that demon hunter world, the uh, Mardun, for like 10 years or something while you were like, you know, frozen in the, uh, your demon hunter were, went back. They were Vosh Naga. Yeah, Vosh and Illidan had a really strange relationship where it's kind of clear the longer you go into to World of Warcraft and the more you see like the stuff in Cataclysm and so forth, Vosh basically betrayed Ashara. Like she straight up sided with Illidan and it's clear Ashara is not necessarily happy about it. Ashara sent her to Illidan to take, you know, to help him out, but it wasn't uh I don't know, because the thing is, is like Illidan, he he blew that horn, and Vash and her kind showed up, and they said, you know, Ashara sent them or whatever. I think it was said that Ashara sent them at one point. Yeah, Maybe it was in like the instruction book or something. Um, but I mean, it was clearly stated that that Ashara sent Vash to her. But then Vash said, okay, well, I'm just gonna pledge myself to Lord Illidan, and and did so to the point where 
she went to Outland to try and make herself the Azshara of Outland. That's what she was up to out there. Yeah, there's there's like statements made by some of the Naga when you're doing the uh, Vashir stuff, where the the Vashir is named for Lady Vash's family, and yeah. the current the current region of that area is very much not happy with her daughter. Like they're 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 not on speaking terms, or wouldn't be if if Vash wasn't dead. But there's definitely some sense that she was like putting her own priorities ahead of Ashara's, which to a degree you kind of expect from Naga, but you don't want to get caught. That's the problem is when when people figure out you're doing it, that's the problem. And there's there's definitely some hints that the things weren't harmonious between them. The Coil Scar were definitely Vash's people. They were loyal to Vash. And they seem to be loyal to you now because you're loyal to Illidan, who they were pledged yeah, to. Yeah, I, I think the greater point is, like, Vosh is dead and has been dead for a long time. The people who are with the Demon Hunters are not loyal to wherever they came from. They were loyal to Illidan and thus to you. Um, it's not just the Naga. There's demons in there. And demons who aren't don't seem to be enslaved, like uh, Matron Mother Malice or whatever her name is. Matron Mother The, Sh- the Shavara that you got done talking us more yeah. than the yeah. yeah. Well, she's the – her and, like, her homies in the Order Hall are the only ones. Like, the Burning Legion doesn't have any, was my point. Uh, we don't fight any. They're on our that. side this time instead of but, being on the other side, which is yeah. weird. So it's like there are demons in the Order Hall. There's Naga. There's um, the Ashtung who the broken, we freed, yeah. like the Ashtung broken. Like they're specifically, they are Ashtung. I think they mentioned that they're Ashtung. Yeah. They're, they're, and, they're specifically Ashtung Deathsworn, who yeah. are the ones that turned against, when he freed himself, when he got his soul back, Akama turned against the Ashtung Deathsworn. But they're since the these ones, guys separated before that occurred, they're still loyal to Illidan. Yeah. All these people in this order hall, they are Illidan loyalists. Whoever, I mean, Whoever other Naga worked for is irrelevant. These Naga worked for Illidan. Uh, whoever these Ashtung worked for doesn't matter. These ones in the Order Hall worked for Illidan. It's, they are isolated from these other groups. They have their own MO. I yeah, and- put Vosh on my list of people to write Know Your Lores about because she's kind of fascinating. Even though she's gone. I mean, obviously she's gone. Her progression was kind of fascinating. Because um, she was one of Ashara's, I think she was kind of like the top handmaiden. So, you know, Ashara's number two as far as that's concerned. But it seemed like she had ambitions that went above and beyond that. Yeah, she definitely acted like she wanted to replace uh, Ashara, at least in Outland, become like a, a rival power to her. Yeah, it was sort of like she was like, well, I can't get the power that I want on Azeroth because Ashara's got that totally covered. But I could totally do it on this little dirt ball stuck out in the Twisting Nether. I'll just make it happen here <laughs> and I'll lord it over something because I deserve to. And that's kind of Vosh, but she was she was a fascinating character. I liked all those characters in Burning Crusade. yeah. Even Kael'thas, even Kael'thas. Yeah, that's the situation where I'm like, I'm really sad that we killed all of them because they were all good. Not just, you know, if I had to choose which one to bring back, Illidan, Kale, or Vosh, I don't think it would be Illidan. No. I would makes more sense more with the other two. Even though Kale has already come back a couple of times, I would love to see Lich Kale. Well, here's the problem that I have. Okay. <laughs> I know it's almost time to be done with the show, but I feel like I, I need to, like, talk about this anyway. Here's the problem that I have with Illidan, right? Illidan, the reason I wanted Illidan to come back is because I didn't think that he got a fair share of story in Burning Crusade. Like, you didn't really learn 
what he was up to or what was going on there. You just went to the Black Temple to kill him. And he made like a couple of small appearances throughout Burning Crusade, but not enough to where you felt like he was this huge threat. Kael'thas came across as a bigger threat. Vash came across as a bigger threat. Archimond over in, you know, the Caverns of Time came across as a bigger threat. Illidan was just there lurking at the top of the Black Temple, talking to his little skull friend, and that was that. Yeah, I mean, they mentioned, like... Burning Crusade strongly hinted that he had just lost his damn mind. Right, right. So that, that for a guy who was heavily featured in the trailer and on the box, it was a little weird that he got so little of a role in his own expansion. And that's why I wanted to see him make some kind of return. I mean, obviously we dealt with him. So I wanted to see him get that story, the story that he didn't get. And so far in Legion, we haven't seen him directly. We've seen a lot of flashbacks that seem to be really, you know, here, let's rewrite history a little bit and make him a little bit more sympathetic or whatever so Uh, that he could be a big hero. That's not really what I wanted. The Demon Hunter Order Hall interacts with him a bit. Yeah. And how he appears through those quests is much more illidany it makes more sense yeah than like the zera stuff the zera stuff is just kind of like i don't uh, I, I we don't have time for this but i could totally go on about how the zera stuff is fascinating for how it shows off how little the naru care about people well yeah but that's not what we're talking about here right no. now we're talking about illidan and the thing about illidan is that despite the fact that once again he was kind of featured in the trailer and once well he wasn't featured in the trailer this time this time it was sylvanas and varian that were kind of featured in the trailer there but mostly varian who's like gone within like before the expansion yeah. even came out varian was gone which is kind of ridiculous when you think about it that way but illidan was heavily featured in like the promo material and stuff he got his own little animated short and that kind of thing and yet despite all of that have we seen him really yet have we seen him in any kind of a significant way i know we've seen flashbacks to his past that's all we've seen he hasn't taken an active role in the story at all even hunters get a little more but yeah yeah but he hasn't really taken like a big active role in the story the current story what's going on right now at all and that kind of bothers me because it's like well burning crusade part two once again we're going to get an illidan who we aren't really too hugely emotionally invested in because he hasn't had much of a role in any of the current proceedings except that he's just like you know a piece on the chessboard that we have to eventually deal with one way or another well i there is something coming but we can't really talk about it. yeah i mean that's spoiler material but still at the same time it's just it feels like right now He's just, again, he's like the king piece on the chessboard. He's not actually doing anything. We just know we're going to have to go checkmate him at some point. And whether or not that's going to feel important, I don't know. But right now, it doesn't feel important. <laughs> so that's yeah. the problem I'm having with Illidan right now. And sorry, I rambled a bit. Yeah, but that's that's all of our emails. And I think we're about at the end of the show. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. 
Thank you very much. Uh, this has been the Blizzard Watch podcast. If you have an email for the podcast, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com, and we'd love to talk about pretty much any subject, any Blizzard game, so that would be great. Thanks very much. Uh, thank you for listening, and we will be here next week, hopefully at our usual time.